atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. The goal is to promote God, family, and country and protect life, liberty, and property. This is September 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is hour two of two. Without further ado, Dr. Scott Bradley, to preserve the nation is his goal. FreedomRisingSun.com is his website. Welcome back, sir. Well, thank you very much. Always good to be with you gentlemen at the first of the week. All right. We've been talking about education uh, first hour. Um, we talked about this incredible article. Public schools, the most racist racist institutions of all. Art Robinson, he's a Ph.D., wrote this article. He explains how we can provide a real education for all. And it's a long detail, but he says, hey, nobody should be in education that isn't willing to take a full load of classes. And the administrative duties they could perform could just be, um, you know, a couple of dollars added to their salary to uh, do that extra duty. And if enough of them were to really work hard, we could save just millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. I highlighted the hypocrisy of this idea that you got to put your kids in Head Start or preschool because they got to get started. That's a year or two. You got to have K through 12. That's 13 years. That's 14 or 15, depending on. Then you got to go ahead and you know go to college two years to get your generals. So you've got literally 13 plus years of school, and now you got to start on your generals. It doesn't make any sense. And then by the time you go to college, whether it's a you know four year degree or whatever you do, you're in school like 19, 20 years, and you're not even prepared for the workforce. When you're done. Uh, And I talked about all my kids graduating three years rather than four from high school. Uh, I've got five kids that have done it so far. The six kids about a year away. And uh, at first they told me it really couldn't be done and it's not really good for your kids. It's too hard on them and they can't do it. And now they all just laugh and say, you're going to do the Bushman plan, right? And we say yes. And off we go um, because they know better now. But uh, we're highlighting this reality of we've got a broken education system. There's a lot of people. Liberty Roundtable Live being one of the great think tanks at the table here. But there's a lot of people changing the game in education for a good, needful reason, Scott. Well, there's no question about it. The the education system in America is absolutely broken. It's a kind of a social engineering exercise now instead of an educational exercise. And uh, I've spent a considerable amount of time reviewing, considering, and studying the different methodologies that were used for education in decades and even centuries past. And uh, the current system is fundamentally flawed, and uh, in my mind, it gets an F in every category. I do not believe anything is happening there except we're expending Huge amounts of taxpayer dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars nationwide when you consider local, state, and and federal levels. And in addition to that, we are polluting the minds of the children. In fact, I don't know if you saw this past week, uh, some of the demonstrations that happened uh, all around the country. Yeah, we talked about it happening on Friday. Governments and cities and police departments were all giving kids really a pass to ditch uh, and and get involved in this um, in my opinion, they would say that it's free speech and that it's freedom to assemble, but I would say in this propaganda agenda funded by dark money sources. But anyway, uh, it was all over the world, really. Indeed, it, it was. And, and in fact, it's a virulent militancy that is actually coming about. And I would foresee 
you know, we see some of these uh, people that are currently in uh, Congress that uh, are so they're they're so off the rails, off the tracks, out in the weeds. But we're raising a generation of children that way, and uh, and and they will be virulently militant in regards to some of these social agenda things, like like the global warming or uh, some of these things about uh, the way they they believe. For example, I, I as I came, I, I had been I spent the week last week back in Boston, and uh, as I drove to the airport on Sunday, I listened to a uh, kind of a public talk radio kind of thing. I was absolutely astounded at the level of racism of the uh, individuals that were on the radio. I uh, have to go by their the way they were speaking, their uh, vernacular, their, all that kind of stuff. That they were African Americans, okay, and uh, they were, you know, one was a doctor, not a physician, but a PhD, and the idea, the entitlement, the uh, the demands, the reparations um, that that were being, uh, these people were talking about the education system and how this has to be brought forth so that the upcoming generation takes care of the inequalities that have been there forever in their minds. And they want indexed and, and uh, corrected for inflation uh, payments made to current people today. You know, they think about, you know, 40 acres and a, a mule that they, they talked about back in the 1860s for former slaves. They want that indexed, and they want it to index to uh, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, some of the major metropolitan areas and the value of the real estate. And, and uh, the idea that they're entitled to this kind of uh, return because of any indignities that their ancestors had. And uh, it, it was just appalling to me. I honestly have never heard that kind of attitude being expressed in such a public setting. Uh, I mean, and it was in a major metropolitan area on a, uh, a station that I'm confident had a very large listener group, but they were it's what is being pounded into the heads of our kids, and it's like I say, a social agenda. And uh, I, it, but it's everywhere, though, guys. I mean, I I had a, a conversation with a, a a captain, well, a Navy captain, so he was an 06, uh, like a Army colonel or something like that. I had a conversation with him last week uh, in regards to the social agendas in the military and how they have become socially agendized. All right, you hold on because we're going to the military right after this discussion on education. So hold on to that thought because you got it nailed exactly where we're going. It's amazing how bright minds think alike. Kurt, let's talk a little bit more about this, though. Public schools, the most racist institutions, not only are they racist because they hold down blacks and Hispanics and everything else, uh, but they uh, have an indoctrination that goes on at great expense. Any more from this article to mention, Kurt? Well, here, a little bit further down, he says, I've spent more than 50 years of my life in education. I could provide a quiet room, good discipline, and a curriculum the students follow every day to any group of students of any mixture of races, with the result that all of the students would receive a superb education that prepares them well for a prosperous and fulfilling life. I'm sure that uh, Dr. Scott Bradley would uh, agree with that. He could do the same thing. And then uh, Mr. Robinson continues, he says, uh, uh, surely there 
would be no differences between students, uh, or excuse me, there would be differences between students because while there are no significant average racial differences, there are differences in individual abilities. These differences, however, are of, a, of small importance in the subjects that comprise K through 12 education. In fact, education of this quality was once the norm in our nation's public schools. The public schools I attended 50 to 60 years ago were excellent. Those schools enabled me to attend Caltech and have a wonderful life in science um, you know, and he goes on, but you know, the bottom line is he's just saying, "Hey, the government schools, the way they're set up, they've failed." And now he's I got mentioned- solutions, but you know, I don't know if too many people now, are. Have you listening. guys seen that test that was given to kids as they finished eighth grade a hundred and twenty years ago? Yeah, most of us can't pass it. Yes. Well, yeah, I've got to tell you, I I use that when I teach young people, and uh, I use it as a shock factor. And um, I don't remember if I have read to you uh, on, on this program a letter that a nine-year-old John Quincy Adams wrote to his father. Nine years old, this child put together a a letter that I have I have corresponded with uh, deans of the public education systems in high in, in institutions of higher learning. They could not string together a sentence or use syntax or grammar or spelling like this little boy did. And uh, these are people that are educating our educators. And it's a total farce what's going on today. And we are certainly being pillaged and plundered and getting very little value, except if you consider if your agenda is to somehow uh, re-educate the social agenda of America and turn us from our uh, belief in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the principles of liberty and proper government, limited government, checks and balances. Those people are getting their money's worth. The rest of us are being robbed. Are getting the and shaft. That- There's no question. Scott, I had mentioned that what I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, when you take three months off every summer and then you take a month trying to get everybody back up to speed and kind of do a review of what the last year was about and everything else. You wasted four months every year. And when our kids are in school for 13 years, kindergarten through 12, you know, K through 12, 13 years and you waste a four month out of every year, 13 years, four months. I mean, that's over what? <clears throat> that's over four years uh, alone of, of wasted time. You could go year-round school, take a week off three or four times a year to give people a break and everything else, and still be way better off. Uh, And if you did that, plus you started children at more like eight years old, and you would say to parents that you look, when your kid comes to school at eight, and they're going to be in a five-year program, it's called general education, and it's going to be a combination of your K through 12 and your first two years of college. It's general education, okay? So you're taking K through 12, which is 13 years. You take two years for your general eds in college, 15 years. I'm convinced you could convert it to five. Five years. Well, you don't You don't need to do the uh, kindergarten teach children to draw. You don't need to teach children to read or do times tables or plus and minuses. Parents can do that in their sleep if they try. Uh, and if they don't know what they're doing, they can find people who can help them. Or the, the parents can learn alongside the children. And you can, in five years, have them at 13 years old ready, equivalent to what would be considered a two-year college general ed degree, ready to go. Now, if you, you'd have to do it year-round, and they'd have to work hard, but it can be done. Let's see Scott's response. Scott Bradley here. 
Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if some of my seals are gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. All right, Dr. Scott Bradley's with us. So I'm saying you could turn... K through 12, plus the first two years of general eds in college. I don't know why you're going to school for 13 years and then you're starting on your general eds. That's insanity. 15 years of school, ladies and gentlemen. I submit, if you went year-round, started kids at 8, you could do a five-year plan. that work hard, but they'd come ready to learn with the basics in tow. Uh, by their parents, and by 13 years old, they could have that equivalent, I think, fairly easy with year-round school, real educators, real curriculum, no games, no recess, no uh, whatever. Uh, You do that at home. And I believe you could shorten the school day and get it done in five years. Am I crazy, Scott? Uh, Well, I don't think so, but I'll tell you what, the founding fathers, most of them had graduated from Harvard, and it certainly isn't the Harvard of today where you get the social agenda. They'd graduated from Harvard by the time they were 15 or 16 or 17 years old. And uh, certainly they were on a, a much accelerated plan. They knew far more than we did. But there's, uh, here's something that's even more of a fundamental problem. And before we leave this, I'd like to just read you a brief statement by Thomas Jefferson. I believe that we are in absolute danger of losing our nation because of what's happening in our education system. Here's what Jefferson said. You know, I mean, we're talking 230 years ago. He said, every species of government has its principles. Specific principles. Ours, perhaps, are more peculiar than those of any other in the universe. To these, nothing can be more opposed than the maxims of absolute monarchies, yet from such we are to expect the greatest number of immigrants. And nowadays, I mean, in those days, they were taking immigrants from, from uh, monarchy countries. Today, we're taking them from socialist, socialist countries. So, at any rate, let's, let's just, just substitute socialist countries instead of monarchs. Okay. 
They will bring with them the principles of government they leave, imbibed in their early youth, or if able to throw them off, it will be an exchange for an unbounded licentiousness, passing as is usual from one extreme to another. It would be a miracle were they to stop precisely at the point of temperate liberty. These principles with their language they will transmit to their children. In proportion to their numbers, they will share with us the legislation. They will infuse into it their spirit, warp and bias its directions, and render it a heterogeneous, incoherent, distracted mass. You say, oh, well, Bradley, that's, that's, a, that's a thing about immigration, and that's a quote that ought to be used there. And I say, well, sure, you can use it there. But if, in fact, we are transmitting false philosophies and principles to our children through our educational system, those children, and you're seeing the um, symptoms of this in our government today, those principles will be transmitted in proportion to their numbers. They will share with us the legislation. They will infuse into it the legislation, their spirit, warp, and bias its direction, and render it a heterogeneous, incoherent, distracted mass. I believe our education system, and I could, I could quote others from previous decades, that had that as an absolute, determined goal for the U.S. education system. And we can also affirm that's what it's turned into today already, Scott, to make your point. I'll give you an example. A valedictorian uh, got a chance to speak. Here's what happened, Kurt. Well, yeah, the uh, this particular valedictorian had, uh, well, uh, had what they call an alcoholic teacher and a negligent counselor, uh, and uh, they, she says, they basically combined to teach her to fend for herself. Well, I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> I don't, I haven't seen the statistics lately, but it, but in the last time I looked at it, it was between. Three quarters of a million and a million students graduate from high school every year that cannot even read in America. It's absolutely abominable. And we spend hundreds of billions of dollars unseating the value that we have, that we bequeathed at such great cost in over so many decades, and we're throwing it away to a social agendized kind of educational system. But there's a big old backlash, Kurt. Well, uh, yeah, let's see. I'm trying to find the backlash story. After CNN. Oh, that's right. Catholic (laughs) elementary school, ladies and gentlemen. That's Uh, right. I guess a Twitter Uh, erupts over the networks, um, over the Twitter networks. The the issue is they're blasting the faith-based institution for allowing Betsy DeVos to visit. That's right. Uh, Catholic Elementary School and Betsy DeVos, who she is, is the uh, Secretary of Education. She went there, and boy, everybody's ticked off. Uh, CNN beat up on her. But, uh, you know, we've talked about the Catholic schools. They do great work, don't they, Sam? Yes, they do. And illegals are now suing Donald Trump. Uh, They want to keep getting welfare. Taxpayers seem to spend nearly $60 billion a year to pay costs of assistance, crime, schooling, and more. So when you say it's a immigration question as part of the reason for the confusion in education, you're spot on, Scott. Well, and, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, let's just look at another uh, educational fiasco that's just gone on. We got some movie stars that wanted to pay some dollars to get their kids into some posh schools that I think was a waste of money anyway. But the fact of the matter is, that happens on a social agendized methodology where they give them extra points in the SAT scores. They give them a social 
score that says these guys are from an underprivileged thing. We got to get them in the school. I mean, th- this special handling and treatment is given all the time to people at taxpayer expense, if you will, to those that are trying to get in. And they play the system. They fill out the right forms and, and show a certain amount of income or uh, underprivileged kind of status. And and there's this owing oh, an awful kind of thing that's going on right now in America about a couple of movie stars that says, hey, I'm going to pay to get my kid in school. Holy cow, the school's got money. They got, I mean, it's it's like, here's people that are future donors instead of people that are going to undermine and destroy uh, the educational system. I foresee the day that an education in Harvard or Yale or Princeton or any of these, you know, highfalutin kind of schools out in California or wherever that are all at stake on this thing, people are going to you know, say, I got my degree at blah, blah, blah school, and they're going to, people are going to say, well, I'm sorry. I, I hope you can succeed in society with that. Because they're getting degrees that are worth nothing in terms of other than the uh, uh, networking that happens with the good old boys club, and it'll be good old girls club too, and then networking that happens that puts them in high places. I could tell you a story at some length about uh, a really uh, prep school that I had a long conversation with a young woman with that was um, in, in that school. And basically, she told me that everybody, everybody in the school cheated their way through because that was their their scores and their grades was uh, indi- indi- indicative of where they were going to go to college, what high, you know, Ivy League kind of school they were going to go to college in. And it's like, but but if you're cheating through your prep school to get into college and you become a physician or a lawyer or whatever, are you really qualified to you know, actually earn your keep. And to her, it was it was a non-issue because they were looking to the future and their status in the future. But the cheating was absolutely epidemic. And by the way, that's built into the secular humanist educational system where it, it actually says ethics is situational and autonomous. Your ethics can change based on the situation you're in. And they teach that as fundamental truth in the education system. Well, we need to change the game in education, ladies and gentlemen, or I agree we're going to lose our nation. But you know what? Sad to say I bring this up, and even people who agree with me on many things, they don't support year-round school. They love the three months off. They don't support accelerated educational opportunities. They just say that it's not good for your kids. And we've been indoctrinated to where um, it's kind of like if we were to – uh, you know, get our freedoms back tomorrow. Most people would reject them because they don't have the basis, the knowledge, the understanding at all, Scott. So even if we were to solve the problem tomorrow, I don't think it could stay fixed. I think our friends among us uh, unintentionally or because of their ignorance would break it again. Well, honestly, uh, if we're not learning all the time, we're falling behind. But but I, I think that the big, 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 big issue is this public education process. It's part of the Communist Manifesto. It's part of the Humanist Manifesto. And the reason is that we can indoctrinate children to the new philosophy. And the new philosophy is not one that's going to allow us to maintain liberty and rights and privileges, God-given recognitions, all those kinds of things. And and so I think, personally, uh, when I, we homeschooled all of our children, and uh, I believe that they're functioning members of society right now, whether they own their own business or they work in some other assignment, 
I believe that that we've got to get away from the idea of public education completely. I, I, it's it's just it's a wasteland, and to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on stuff that is actually destroying our country is is just nonsense. It's foolishness. It's oh, it's horrid, and uh, this idea of Maybe going to year-round school, I mean, I, I would say every kid, every time, all the time, should be learning in their own setting. Yeah, I'm talking about year-round school for five years from 8 to 13 in a private sector. I'm telling you right now, you'd chop the cost in half, and it would take 15 years down to five, and it would be a great, great start. Quick pause, ladies and gentlemen. But F-word is broken out with a serious sex problem in the U.S. military, and it's getting worse every year. We'll tell you about it. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. A former U.S. Secretary of State who's often at odds with the Trump administration's policies says he does agree this time that clearly Iran was behind the recent attacks on Saudi oil facilities. I believe Iran, one way or the other, was behind the attack that took place. And as many lawmakers are calling on President Trump to take some decisive action, maybe even military action, in the wake of those attacks, John Kerry says... The president, I think, is absolutely, is absolutely correct to be evaluating sort of not being rushed into a corner to go to war. Kerry spoke on CBS's Face the Nation. Meanwhile, the Iranian foreign minister says he's not confident that war between the U.S. and Iran can be avoided. He says, though, Iran wouldn't be the one to start a war. And you're listening to USA Radio News. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc., 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation, Maryland DM 1492, Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation, Commission License Number DC83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action, not a loan company. A busy Sunday for President Trump first. The Prime Minister of India and Trump took part in a huge rally at Houston's NRG Stadium. It was an event called Howdy Modi to greet the Indian Prime Minister as he begins his week-long visit. About 50,000 people, mostly Indian Americans, attended the rally to hear the two men speak highly of each other's countries. Also yesterday, President Trump toured the Pratt Paper Plant in Wapakoneta, Ohio, with the Prime Minister of 
Australia by his side, as the plant was opened by an Australian company. Our message is clear. There's never been a better time to hire, invest, build, and grow in the United States of America. Several states, health groups, and Planned Parenthood will be in court today, hoping to block a new Trump administration abortion rule. It took effect earlier this year, barring federally funded family planning providers from referring women for abortions. And this is USA Radio News. But not only are they conducting incredible experiments in education and destroying a societal reality in the process, they're doing it in the military as well. We've warned about this forever, but here it's come to uh, fruition, if you will. F-word broken out for serious sex problem in the U.S. military. It's getting worse every year with no end in sight. WND.com with the story. They say the Defense Department's attempts to reduce sexual assaults in the military have absolutely, big F-word, failed. Annual reports tracking actual numbers of actual assaults on women and men in the military indicate that the problem is it's getting worse with no end in sight. That's what a report by the Independent Center for Military Readiness documents. The conclusion is affirmed by the highest levels of Command a huge failure, Scott Bradley. Well, there's no question that the military has lost its focus on its purpose. Its purpose is to defend the nation against enemies, foreign and domestic. The idea that there's uh, uh, bad people out there, and we are to be militarily ready to, to make that defense. Now, of course, we're undermining that on every single level. We we get involved in every scrap that happens all over the world. Lindsey Graham and his cohort in the Senate never have seen a scrap around the country they didn't want to get some Marines killed in. We deploy constantly, and uh, families are destroyed, and and lives are ruined, and PTSD kinds of scenarios, and uh, suicide, all that kind of stuff. But in addition to that, we have used this as an agendized purpose to kind of um, uh, change society. And the idea of putting women in the military in combat operations is absolutely absurd. And uh, it's, it's something that's diminishing the capability of the military. And in addition to that, bringing in those that are, are sexually, shall we say, confused and putting them into a, a scenario where they're in close quarters constantly, people showering together, sleeping together in uh, remote locations together for extended periods of time, Certainly, we're going to have more sexual assault on men and women, and we're going to have, you know, a bunch of kids with hormones running rampant. And uh, it, it's like, what do you think you're going to get? I mean, well, we predicted it from the start, and they mocked us and laughed at us. But now the report has the conclusion affirmed by the the highest brass in the military. They say the fault is clear. <clears throat> For decades, feminists, socialist engineers. And lawmakers, not to mention high-level military personnel, have promised that close combat assignments 
for women would, would reduce rates of sexual assaults, but the opposite has actually happened. Well, it's a crime that's happening right now, literally a crime against the nation. It's a crime against those people that are being sexually abused. It's absolutely a crime against everything in society. It's, it's turning everything on its head. But I'll tell you something that's even going to get worse. You need to understand that there's currently a study going on through Congress in regards to the idea of, of uh, drafting females. And uh, and I've predicted this. It's been some years now that I've been predicting that the study is only whitewash. What the study really boils down to is they're going to say, well, we've talked to all the experts. We've experienced this with some of the women now are passing, you know, Marine Corps basic training and advanced infantry training. We have women that are passing the Ranger test and blah, 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 blah. Women can do this. Women are serving in combat. And they're going to say there is no reason to stop this. Okay, so all they're doing now is gathering the story they want to tell. And what will happen, I am predicting this, and I have been doing this for some years, so mark it down, that the study will come out that there is no reason that it should not be women and men that are registered for the draft. Now, they'll, they'll put forth a program that says all young women between 18 and 25 or 18 and 28 or 18 and 32 or 18 and 35, I don't know what number will come have to register like young men do. Oh, now, of course, we don't have a draft. They'll say, no, this is just in case. And then at some point, perhaps when a war with Iran breaks out and we, we find ourselves stressed to the max, fighting a country that's a far different country than any we've fought in recent decades and almost a, a two-thirds of a century. But at any rate, that will happen. All they're doing is dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and making certain that they can justify it on paper before they do it. This is a, an agendized form to bring social change to the United States. And by the way, the fastest, most effective, and most permanent way to change the values, attitudes, and beliefs, the mores of a nation, is through war. Well, the objective, so the objective of our military, ladies and gentlemen, should be military readiness. And combat lethality, not political correctness or social engineering. And that's what we've turned into on this thing, Kurt. But it is astounding the numbers they give. Sexual assault, men and women both just going through the roof in the military. And they say no end in sight, Kurt. Well, I don't see how you're going to have any end unless you go back to the tried and true way that things were done. When you look at you know the phrase make america great again look at what what was done before we didn't have god out of society we didn't have an over sexualized you know uh, pornography ridden um, laced society like we have now we've taken the 10 commandments out uh, and we've replaced them with all types of rubbish and then we're surprised when it goes off the rails Scott, just this is kind of subset of what we're talking about. That certainly this this is sexualization of the military and everything else like that is the uh, it, it is the idea that the uh, war and everything like that. Madison absolutely said that you cannot preserve your liberty in the face of perpetual war, and here's the problem. Since September 11, 2001, we have been in a perpetual war against terror. And it is, it is creating a military caste. 
in the United States, which we, we don't have classes and casts. But if you're trying to apply for a job, if you're going to go to the front of the line in the airline uh, boarding pass process, if you have a military uh, uh, association, you, you get special treatment. Now, I know there are many individuals, uh, many, that are devoted, caring, and want to preserve this nation and, and are willing to die to do it, literally. But our nation's uh, social agendized methodology from the highest level is not allowing these brave people to do that. We had talked about support the troops. Well, my position of supporting the troops is not putting them in harm's way unless there's a, a clearly defined specific need that is uh, uh, followed constitutionally. And, and there is a process by which that happens. But what we're doing now is we have a, a uh, militarization of the United States, and it's not going to slow down. And the more war we have, the less chance we have of preserving our liberty. The executive gets uh, the, the exec, executive accuse, uh, accrues power through war. They they have all sorts of uh, things that happen that allow the executive, meaning the president's office, the the uh, uh, you know the executive branch of the government, to por- perform and assume and usurp powers that ultimately will be detrimental to the nation. And in fact, in ancient Rome, if they ever perceived that there was a rebellion afoot, they always started a war so that the people would be distracted from this idea of rebellion or correcting what was wrong in their society and going off to war. They, they pulled the patriotic card, if you will. America's on a bad track with this. It's really a sad scenario. And it's not just sexual, although that is a huge thing. I mean, I'm not diminishing that at all. But it's a much bigger fundamental problem than, than than just sexual assault, which is like I say, duh, what did you expect? Yes, but a headline around the world now from a Christian organization says, government to churches, Ten Commandments down, surveillance cameras up. China orders Ten Commandments taken down. And um, well, they're trying to take Christianity flat out out of society, Scott. And that's happening worldwide. Indeed, it truly is, and I, I speak often about this idea of religious liberty, and my position is that in this nation, probably even around the world, uh, there has never been in the past probably 250 years as great a risk to religious liberty as there is now. And we've talked a time or two, I think, on this program about a September uh, 2016 Civil Rights Commission report, 296 pages that came out. Read that thing. Look at it. Their bottom line is they're going to attempt to, to define religious liberties as narrowly as possible so that they will not infringe upon these new government-created rights. This gender stuff. This and ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about it on several programs, and we're going to keep hammering on it because the American people are in a need-to-know position. And we better take action while we have the political freedom to do so and the religious freedom to do so. But if religious liberty falls, ladies and gentlemen, liberty as a whole falls. Let's talk about that with Scott Bradley. The doctor's in the house in seconds. 
So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStreamLive is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Talk Right, the conservative app offered by TalkStream Live that caters exclusively to the conservative talk radio community. Here you'll see only talk shows and podcasts from the conservative right, all the big broadcast names and online digital shows in one place. Talk Right makes it easy to find all your favorite conservative talkers with all the upscale features you come to expect from TalkStream Live. Keep up with the fast-paced political world. Download Talk Right today from Google Play or the App Store. Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It ain't going to happen by a friend of Medjugorje. Whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, it ain't going to happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't going to happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled N-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S., 205-672-2000. 2 All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So I submit to you, if religious liberty falls, ladies and gentlemen, liberty falls. Okay, Scott Bradley, your response? Well, there's no question that uh, the uh, the idea of religious liberty is absolutely essential to the maintenance of our of our free country and our God-given rights. I mean, the whole basis of this nation is founded on God-given rights. And the uh, if you look at the Mayflower Compact, for example, you read why they came here for the furtherance of the Christian faith. Yes, there were others that came for many other reasons, too. There's no question about that. But every single forward-moving step in this nation was overarched or undergirded by a religious connotation. I mean, whether it was, uh, you know, during the Revolutionary War, the um, the days of fasting and prayer that were legislatively proclaimed, the idea of the, the Declaration has four references to God, the idea that... Uh, the uh, Religious Liberty Act of 1786 by uh, Thomas Jefferson of Virginia for kind of saw the idea of uh, a fundamental religious liberty in the whole United States. The 1787, 1789 um, Northwest Ordinances, fundamental religious liberty, the idea of George Washington, after the First Amendment, which became the First Amendment, we could talk about why it was originally the Third Amendment and the first two weren't weren't, uh, ratified, but what became our First Amendment, this uh, idea of religious liberty, he was directed by Congress uh, September 25th and uh, by Congress on September 26th by the Senate to uh, put out a national uh, day of fasting and prayer 
to recognize the hand of God. Everything this nation has had as a basis had a religious undertone and overtone. It's not a religious cult uh, or denomination that that, uh, completely contains or controls the United States, and obviously we say we have no religious test in, in the Constitution, but the fact of the matter is these basic understandings of rights came out of the Scriptures, this idea of everything from, you know, the Ten Commandments, the most fundamental basis of keeping a free society, came out of the Scriptures. And uh, America is absolutely on thin ice on this right now because of this attempt by the highest levels of our government. Again, read this 296-page report uh, that came out of the U.S. Civil Rights Commission in September of 2016 to read how they want to define religious liberties in as narrowly a possible scope so that they they don't interfere with some of these other rights, quote unquote, that are being created by government agencies. And, and think about it for a moment. If a right is created by someone, a responsibility to fulfill that right is created against somebody else. So we give up our property rights, our right of conscience, our even our economic rights. I mean, there's things that happen when you have to do something the government says, creating a right for another um, special class in violation of Article 1, Section 9 of the Constitution. So anyway, yeah, religious liberty is at, at risk in this nation, and people have got to get involved, make certain that, that, that they don't lose that privilege in the public marketplace, if you will, of their own personal religious liberty. I think a lot of churches are could be faulted because they're trying to protect their own institutional privilege of worshiping in their church, their chapel, their cathedral, their synagogue, whatever it is. And and they don't think about, or at least they don't offer anything that would encourage individuals to be able to, to have that in their own workplace, in their own, you know, discussions in, in school and everything else like that. But that is being removed from the individual. And when it's gone from the individual, the institutions will find that they're, uh, you know, they're not long before they're under attack also. So, yeah. Amen to that. All right. Now, at least, and I, I say this a little bit mocking when you hear the next piece, but at least we can pray in the government schools still, right, Kurt? Well, this was a um, at a city council meeting, Sam, but, um, you know, it's, <laughs> I guess you could say that. Can, uh, can you pray in, in your schools, case, Kurt? Well, the uh, no, I don't think so, Sam. But uh, the headline from World Net Daily: uh, Prayer to Flying Spaghetti Monster opens council meeting. Uh, subheadline: Local government allowed anyone to give invocation after lawsuit. You know, you just threaten them with a lawsuit, and they'll pretty much let them anything happen. Then, right, Sam? Well, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. As long as you pray to the spaghetti monster, they'd probably let you pray to that. You know, Scott and. You know, what we're seeing is a mockery of everything sacred. There's no question, and that flying spaghetti monster prayer has been around for years, and it is a it is a, uh, a mockery of everything that we hold sacred. And um, I, I find it absolutely appalling that, uh, that we capitulate uh, because, you know, the courts have been given free reign on everything. I mean, it's it's something that we have, most of the people that write our laws are attorneys, or at least a high percentage of them. The other ones are probably mostly school teachers. But the fact of the matter is, we have uh, we've we've given their trade, their craft, their core, such a uh, pass 
that we bow whenever the courts say this or that or the other. And it's, it's just fundamentally wrong in the United States. That's not the way it was meant to be. And we got to so, talk a little bit about this, though, and say, you know, what is the answer? Okay, what are the solutions? Ammon Bundy kind of says this a lot, and I think it's really valuable. What are we to do about it? And I can't solve the world's problems by 3 o'clock. I'm not a policymaker. I'm not a... At the most, I might be hopefully an influencer, an influencer for good. Uh, but I can't give up and I can't do nothing. I must do what I can to stand for religious liberty, stand for God, family, and country, stand for the traditions of our founding fathers, stand for the pure application of the supreme law of our land, stand for uh, the moral code. Religious rights should not be put on the altar of quote, new rights or privileges disguised as rights. Uh, And we really need to stand up. And I can't solve the world by 3 o'clock, but I can live according to God's laws and the laws of God, family, and country myself. And I can use my influence to teach others to do the same. And believe it or not, it would not take very many of us if we were organized and vocal and bold, not overbearing, but insistent uh, on standing for the principles that make individuals great under God and families great under God. And then society downstream just remains great because, hey, those people and those families who make up society uh, is great. And I think it starts with the traditional roles. Uh, There's a document called the Proclamation on the Family that defines these traditional roles. And those two roles are not adversarial. adversarial, They're synergistic. And I think we need to go back to the underpinnings of, of God's family and in understanding these pure application of principles uh, to change things. And, and I can't do it all myself, but I can do all within my sphere uh, to accomplish that. And I believe God will prosper our efforts. As dire as it seems, as negative as it appears, I think we should take courage. Uh, because God is aware of his people. And good things are, are in the future. But it takes each one of us to individually decide to take action. To live according to God's laws. And then to stand and teach others. I'm calling it a valiant stand, Scott. Well, absolutely, it has to happen. And I, when I present on this, there's about 25 things that I uh, suggest for, for, for saving our religious liberties. And what it really boils down to our own, is our own personal involvement. I mean, people can no longer sit on the sidelines in their little cloistered, gated community and, uh, and expect these things to be, uh, you know, resolved satisfactorily without their involvement. And uh, and we've got to take uh, – go to your school boards. Uh, sit there. Talk about these things. Sit in your city council meetings. Express your opinion. Be involved. It doesn't have to be an adversarial beat them up with a baseball bat kind of opinion. But the people need to, again, become engaged. Uh, you know, uh, Andy Jackson in his farewell address talked about the price of liberty, eternal vigilance. And, and we have become such a uh, – the name society, uh, an irrelevant society in, in all of the things we, we put our efforts into, whether it's the soccer practice for our kids or the watching the soap opera or whatever the heck they're calling them on TV nowadays or, or participating in some, you know, coffee plaques about this or that or the other. Uh, this, this takes engagement on the part of the people and Americans at one point were absolutely engaged. That's why, you know, the committees of correspondence and the, the uh, organizations that that spread the the word of liberty around in the early 1760s and 70s, uh, 
resulted in America becoming free if the if the citizenry had not understood these things. And again, uh, in a, some correspondence between Jefferson and Madison, excuse me, Jefferson and Adams, John Adams wrote that the revolution in America did not happen beginning in 1775. It was over by then. The war was just an incidental thing. What happened was was that between 1760, his mind, and 1775, Americans had these seeds of liberty sown in their hearts, and they engaged on them, and they embraced them. And Americans nowadays need to do a similar thing. And this religious liberty thing is fundamental to the success and ongoing uh, prosperity of this nation. And uh, uh, Americans just need to get engaged. And, and again, sometime when we have more time than the moments that are left, we could talk about... Uh, you know, what What kinds of things can people do? It happened because the pulpits were aflame with righteousness. Fathers, the heads of families, uh, were teaching their children religiously. There was religious revival, if you will, uh, that kind of preceded a lot of this. Uh, and it really starts with living according to God's laws. And I'm telling you, uh, you will not have any freedom if we don't live according to God's laws. He is the author of our liberty, and we must uh, repent turn to him. If we do, he'll heal our land and protect us. There is no other way. And I know people say to me, Sam, you're just more religious than I am. I'm Say what you will. I'm telling you, I'm pointing to true north on this topic, Scott, and there is no other way. You know, when Tocqueville, Alexis de Tocqueville came to America in the early 1830s, he did boots on the ground all over the country, and he made note of what America was about. And one of the things he spend an awful lot of time writing about was the religiosity of the Americans. He says, it's astounding. In America, nothing's illegal. But yet it's not happening because the people have an inner compass. And they're, they're, they know they're going to you know, stand before a true judge someday, and, and they will have to answer for their actions. But he talked about the fact that when they moved westward, they sent uh, ministers uh, you know, uh, there were preachers, if you will, that, that went west. And the reason was because uh, if the, the new republics out west, and remember Article 4 of the Constitution, the new states had to be republics, did not have a religious foundation. They'd be like a bad apple in the barrel, and it would ruin the whole nation. And the, uh, they were they wanted to make certain that the people had the religiosity, the fundamental foundation that is necessary for a freedom and so the, the preachers went west with the pioneers that came west. And Tocqueville recognized that. It's very interesting to me. The solutions are everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. But for some reason, we continue ever learning and ever coming to the knowledge of the truth. We continue to want to ignore all the real solutions. And uh, it's up to us to point the true north. It's up to us to stand to make a valiant stand for the sacred cause to which we're engaged, ladies and gentlemen. Kurt, do you want a final statement? Well, I couldn't agree more about uh, God being the answer, and His commandments are not suggestions. They're commandments. They've been around for a long time. we got to keep them, or all the bets are off. And baby. when we do, blessings are sure to follow. Protection from an Almighty. He'll heal our land and protect us. That's a biblical uh, reality. God keeps His promises. Never forget that, ladies and gentlemen. Scott, 20 seconds. Any final comment? Well, engage people. We the people are the ones that really hold the keys to this thing. If if we don't engage properly, uh, it'll slip through our fingers. We'll God save the Republic of the United States of America.